Hi, my name is Oliver Turner. I'm the Executive Vice President of Corporate Development for Corora Resources. And Corora Resources is a emerging junior transitioning into potentially mid-tier gold producer in Western Australia with three producing assets feeding two centralized mills. And a nickel company and a lithium company by, the, by all accounts, but we'll get into that in a second. Hey, uh, record quarter production again. It's getting to that point, Oliver, I have to say, um, I've kind of stopped looking at all the moving parts. I'm just looking at the kind of quarterly numbers coming in. It seems to be that the, the, the process you've been building up for the past couple of years is now in full flow. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's quarter after quarter of the execution of you know incremental ounce additions. Obviously, we've got a ton of activity going on at the operations, which we can talk about in terms of the growth plan that we're call it two thirds of the way through executing on right now. Um, tons going on, uh, but most importantly, as you said, is about executing quarter after quarter. And one of the things we'll talk about is we're executing whilst in growth mode, and that's a great place to be in this gold price environment. Well, it, it is. I think gold producers are taking full advantage of it, and perhaps it may cascade, cascade a little bit down to the, the developers, but gold, um, exceptional at, at the moment. How... I mean, how, how does it sort of change your thinking at all in terms of the, you know, the answers that you're going after? Are you kind of at capacity now? We've talked in the past about these two um, bents that you want to kind of get in, in, in place. When, when, are you going to start, when can you start taking advantage of the gold price? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've got, you know, a plan that we laid out uh, and that we're following meticulously in terms of our you know, short, medium and long term plan that we're executing on right now. One of the things you have to be cognizant of when you're when you're growing a gold operation is that you've always got to make sure that you're delivering into your capital program, generating cash flow to cover that, maintaining your cash balance at the same time, which we've done successfully, and soon we'll start to see that cash flow growth, uh, and maintaining a working capital buffer, all while of course you know chasing exciting targets, which we're doing in gold and nickel. With respect to where we are in our plan right now. Uh, we've put in that first vent raise as a reminder for your viewers. We're, we're growing from 1 million tons per annum at our flagship beta hunt asset up to 2 million tons per annum by the end of 2024. That requires <clears throat> a second decline, now complete, over a kilometer development put in ahead of schedule. In fact, right in line with budget, which is fantastic. And then the second component is three ventilation raises. Why do we need those? We need those because in order to get additional personnel and equipment underground for those increased production rates, increased exploration activity, you need more ventilation underground. So the first one is in, done, complete. Second one is underway. And then the third one comes in place in late third quarter, early fourth quarter. We'll be able to commission those in the fourth quarter. What does that mean? That means link them up to the fans, turn them on, get them all integrated, and make sure that the entire mine is operating the way that it should from a ventilation standpoint. And then in the fourth quarter, that's when we can get all that additional activity going underground, both from a production and an exploration standpoint. What's very important, though, is that it doesn't all have to wait until then. So every year for the last several years, obviously we've increased production and that's mainly been from a productivity standpoint and some great improvements. What we're able to do this year, because we've got that upper section of the second decline operating now, is we're actually able to get some more tons working in the upper portions of the mine near Western flanks where we're operating. So what we're gonna see this year is about 1.3 to 1.4 million tons of activity happening out of Beta Hunt. Next year, we'll step up to that 1.7 to 1.8 million ton range, and then you're at that full 2 million tons capacity or better. But we're not going to talk about that at this point. In time. You might not, but I won't say. 
Um, <laughs> you, you've, you've got, you've, okay, it's the second decline in these these vents in was obviously essential for, for for the workings here, and you've been steadily going about increasing the kind of um, resources uh, and reserves uh, as well. But here's the thing. She kind of moved through into that kind of mid-tier status. Um, you know, you're indicating what 40, 145 to 160,000 ounces this year. When do we sort of see a step change because of this kind of um, infrastructure that you're putting in place here? When, you know, when, when does it kind of leap up? When do you move into kind of mid-tier status? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, depending on people's varying descriptions of exactly what mid-tier uh, stands for, I think the most important thing to, to think about is do you have a mid-tier caliber asset? And there's absolutely no no way that you can argue that beta hunt isn't becoming one of those kind of assets. So next year we have that step up as a company from 170 to 195,000 ounces. 2025, 2026 and beyond. We're not putting guidance out at this point, but we're certainly looking to improve upon that. Now, there's a couple of levers that we can pull there, right? And just let's focus on beta hunts. 95% of the value of the company right now, Higginsville has tremendous exploration potential across that. We can talk about that a little bit later on and when we, we can become more active there. But a beta hunt, what we're, what we're looking at doing in the out years is doing two things. Number one, can we do more than 2 million tons per annum out of those two declines? I'm not going to tell you yes right now, but what I will tell you is that we're doing about 100 to 110,000 tons a month out of a single decline. And that's what we've been doing for several quarters now. So that kind of implies that an annualized rate could be higher. And then the second thing is, look, we've drilled off over the last several years. We've gone from a resource of about 400,000 ounces over three and a half years ago, up to 2.4 million ounces at Beta Hunt today, all while mining 400,000 ounces. At the end of this year, Beta Hunt will have produced half a million ounces since this team took over. You know, that's a very significant amount. So basically call it 2.8 to 2.9 million ounces at Beta Hunt. Of course, all that came with that royalty unwinding uh, years ago. So we've built a tremendous resource base. We've got, you know, a very long mine life here at, at the current run rates. But what's the next lever we can pull other than moving more tons and moving them more efficiently? Of course, it's grade. So how do we move the grade at Beta Hunt up on an average basis while being disciplined about where we're mining in terms of stopes, in terms of geotechnical considerations, in terms of uh, making sure that we're not sterilizing any parts of the mine? Well, we're starting to step out beyond Western Flanks and A-Zone. So Western Flanks is the bread and butter of Beta Hunt. It is 2.5 to 2.6 grams. It has over a million ounces just in one shear zone right now. But what we're starting to do is obviously we've added Larkin and that's coming into the mine plan in the years to come. But we're starting to look at some of these other shear zones. So since we've been involved with, uh, you know, the Beta Hunt asset as a new management team, we have added eight new shear zones to Beta Hunt. When we first stepped in, there's only two shear zones that carried that resource. It was Western Flanks and A Zone. Now we have Sorensen, Mason, Cowsville, Fletcher, which I'm going to highlight in a second here, Larkin, uh, and we have extensions to Western Flanks and A Zone to the north. So we're adding a lot of these shear zones, both parallel and extending existing ones along strike. And by the way, everything is open at depth. When we start to look at how we improve grade, there's two areas that we're looking at. Number one is the system that we're mining right now appears to be very close to the top of it. So you have the contact between, I won't get too technical, between the ultramafic and the basalt here, and we're mining these very wide zones. We've got some stopes that are 30 meters wide. That's really hard to conceptualize. Those are massively wide stopes, moving a lot of tons. The system, if you look at some of our cross sections in our presentation, 
appears to be narrowing as we get a little bit deeper. And by a little bit deeper, I mean about 100 or 150 meters. We're not going super deep here at all. We have all that access with that existing infrastructure, the ramp developments right there. See, it seems to be pinching off a little bit. And what we're starting to see in the drill results are increasing grades. So when you look at Western flanks, for example, again, which is the engine room of Beta Hunt, you're seeing grades that are north of 13 grams, just 100 meters below where we are. Now, granted, that's a drill hole intercept. You've got to drill that out, put it into resource, and then see what it actually comes, you know, what, what it produces from a resource grade perspective. But very important analog here is that our next door neighbors, actually the people that we, we are on their properties, Goldfield St. Ives. St. Ives has produced 14 million ounces. The Invincible underground operation, which is literally less than two kilometers away from us on exact same structures, one that Alpha Island fault, they, they ran the same structure. They're mining everything north of four and a half, five grams. And it appears that they're a little bit deeper in the system than we are. Point being, our neighbors are mining higher grades. Our grades appear to be increasing at depth. What can we do to start accessing some of that material? So that's Western flanks at depth. The second part, you know, talk about some of the press releases we put out over the last couple months here, Fletcher. Fletcher is potentially a game changer for this asset, right? We put out two drill results, uh, I believe it was about five weeks ago now. One was uh, seven meters of 46 grams per ton. Another one was 26 meters of six and a half grams per ton. Those are both in the same drill hole, but they're not an inclusion. Uh, they're actually two separate intercepts in the same drill hole. It looks like two parallel structures at Fletcher. That's located just over 200 meters from existing infrastructure. It's 150 meters north of the Larkin Reserve. But most importantly, it's at the exact same elevation, not that 100 meters deeper, which isn't tough to get to. It's the exact same elevation that we're mining at right now. So when we put out those drill results, I mean, I would argue that those are the best drill results that Beta Hunt's ever seen. Even better than some of those, you know, kilogram gold hits we had in A-Zone in, in 2018 that were narrow. These are wide, extremely high-grade zones. So what we're doing now is we're following up on Fletcher. We're putting additional drill holes into Fletcher, which we've now stretched to almost two kilometers. It looks to be geologically an analog of Western Flanks, which I mentioned is the million-ounce engine room of Beta Hunt. This could be a repeat of that, but it could be a repeat of that at potentially higher grades. What could that mean to our production profile in a few years? It's going to take us a while to drill that out, potentially get into resource. You could get initial resource there, maybe 24, probably 25. It's further away than Larkin was. Remember, we from initial discovery to first resource at Larkin was 18 months. That's because we had all that infrastructure immediately adjacent to it. It was, it was a dream, right? Fletcher is a little bit further away. But if we're able to increase grade, our average mining grade at Beta Hunt is that 2.5, 2.6. If you can even go up to three grams. Beta Hunt becomes a 200,000 ounce a year producer on its own as a single asset. If you can get north of three grams, that's all free cash flow. All of that is free cash flow. So that's the next step that we're doing, right? We've already, we've mastered productivity with one decline. We're going to try and, you know, replicate that with a second decline or better. And then we're shifting our focus. We've got a great long resource here. How do we start to bump up that grade? But give us time. This isn't going to happen in two quarters, right? This takes meticulous drilling whilst making sure that we're you know, maintaining our cash balance. We can only put so much, so many dollars into drilling uh, and it's going to take discipline. This is going to take a period of time, but that's our next objective. So that's how you turn Beta Hunt into a fantastic asset that now we will talk about the nickel in a second into potentially something that a mid-tier, you know, would be uh, very, very interested in. Right. Okay. So 
we, we, like I said again, you know, if I'm look, looking at you as gold miners, I'm not questioning your ability to extract maximum value from the assets that you've got. Okay, so you've explained and articulated very, very well what you're doing and what you what you intend to do. And I guess if you layer on the, the nickel component, that can re reduce your ASIC, you know, all in costs, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, as well, right? Understood. You've also put an announcement out about um, the lithium components of, with, with Kalama, Kalamazoo Resources, right? So why spin that out into a new vehicle, Cali, rather than can I keep it in-house? I mean, it's a much more technical commodity. I appreciate that. But to explain the kind of blueprint for your, your thinking there. Uh, the blueprint, of course, yeah. Do you like, uh, that? Do you like what I did there? <laughs> for those uh, who don't know, Kalamazoo were the company invented the blueprint. So uh, um, very clever that you got it, but maybe other people didn't. We out. also like to include history lessons in our broadcast. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. Educational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Tell yeah, me, why, why, do you, why go down that route? Yeah, look, we're, we're extremely excited about it. And I'll give you a, a bit of the sort of backstory behind why we decided to do what we did and, and why we're excited about this vehicle and, and think it's the best way to accelerate value creation for core shareholders. So over the last two years, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've had, we've seen what's happened in, in the hard rock lithium space in Australia, right? It's, it's been absolutely wild. And even with the, you know, the rollover in lithium prices we've seen globally, it's still a red hot sector. There's absolutely no doubt. It seems like macro forces are pushing things, uh, you know, faster than, uh, you know, spot prices can, can un unwind them. So that's pretty exciting in that space for sure. Uh, we are surrounded by lithium giants, right? There's Baldania, there's Mount Marion there, there's a whole, a whole suite of exploration properties. These are, you know, five plus billion dollar companies. You've got Liontown, you've got all these groups there, mineral resources. Uh, so we've, we've seen a huge amount of value creation uh, in the lithium space around us. So about two years ago, we engaged a group to basically do a, a prospectivity heat map, let's call it, of, of our 1800 square kilometers that we have at Higginsville. That's a huge, huge property. It's hard to put that into context for some people, but it, uh, it took a period of time. Uh, we, we basically mapped the entire district um, and it gave us some very obvious targets. Now, what we then did was we actually went out and we rock chip sampled some of those areas and we actually produced some pretty interesting results. Uh, we were talking to a number of advanced uh, lithium uh, companies about it uh, and, you know, just basically getting their perspectives on it. Suffice to say, everybody was interested in what we had. So we very quickly decided, OK, there's got to be a way that we can accelerate this without distracting from our core business. Now, you know, when things are running smoothly and you're delivering quarter after quarter, the perception can always be that, you know, things are set on autopilot and that's easy. I assure you, none of these quarters we've strung together, particularly given all the turmoil of the last year, you know, uh, from a global perspective and a COVID perspective, none of these quarters have been easy. None of these have been layoffs. They've, they've uh, required focused determination and execution by our operational team. And of course, by, by our finance team. So we want to make, to maintain focus that uh, on the gold, expanding the gold project, uh, as well as this massive new nickel opportunity that we have, that is what I like to call the mine within the mind, which is an absolute no brainer to, to push forward. That's two basically separate projects we're working on right now at a single asset. We need to make sure that we execute on that. But we have all this lithium prospectivity. How do we accelerate that? How do we bring that through? So what we started to do, we started to talk to a variety of different parties around Australia with properties 
that we liked, that we thought were highly prospective, that we thought, hey, we would like exposure to that ourselves. We're not going to make a strategic investment because we're not a lithium company. However, can we get exposure to that and combine two large property sets to give something critical mass so that when it IPOs, it's going to be relevant. It's not a tiny little speck on, you know, on a map. It actually matters. So Kalamazoo, uh, not only the inventors of the blueprint, but also a gold mining company in uh, in Australia, uh, is a great you know great counterparty, a great group. They have some fantastic assets in northwestern uh, WA, in Pilbara, and also in southeastern uh, Australia as well. In fact, though Pilbara assets are a uh, Dom Hill are a little bit more advanced than ours. Uh, we began discussions with them. We talked about merging these two uh, land packages together because they want to maintain their focus on gold mining and gold exploration as well. So hence the creation of Cali Metals. So Cali Metals is a separate vehicle that is going to be 45% owned by Corora and 55% owned by Kalamazoo prior to an IPO raise. The idea here is these combined properties, which are 3,800 square kilometers of extremely prospective lithium uh, ground, which is which is critical mass. That is a relevant company to IPO. It's going to be IPO'd in the TSX in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of this year. And they will be separately raising, and notice how I say they, it's not us, it's a separate vehicle. They will be separately raising 10 to $12 million Australian to kick off their exploration program. Now, that's prior, uh, that's sorry, that's post the 45 55 split. So we'll see some new investors, and this is very important. You need a tradable float. You want important strategic investors that are going to back this story. That'll be new investors coming into the story, and core shareholders will be able to participate in that vehicle as well as or that vehicle which basically has higginsville properties as well as kalamazoo properties now one of the the most exciting aspects of this whole thing is the gentleman that's at the helm of this is going to be very familiar to Corora shareholders it's graham sloan who of course uh, you know, was on board with this company uh, back when it was basically heading towards insolvency, uh, turned around uh, Beta Hunt tremendously. Obviously, we talked in Higginsville, added the mill, the Lakewood mill. Graham Sloan was at the helm of, uh, you know, the operational side of CORE for the better part of three and a half years, did a fantastic job. Uh, this was always part of our plans. When we started reviewing this stuff two years ago, it was the perfect transition plan for Graham uh, to, you know, to basically dip one toe into retirement, but still remain active in the sector, which he which he truly loves and has uh, you know, tremendous capabilities. in. so he'll be running that core. We'll have a board seat, of course, we'll have that significant influence on the decision making of this company, but it's going to be passive. So uh, core shareholders will participate in this. Cali Metals will do its own thing. Of course, we'll be there to lend help where we can, but we're not going to be funding it. And it's not going to take Corora's management time and energy uh, dedicated towards this lithium uh, vehicle. It's going to, we're going to remain focused on gold and nickel. Okay, so lithium obviously has done extremely well in Australia for the last three years, or well, two and a half years, I'll, I'll say. And you're, you know, in and around the, uh, the district where there's some, there's some giants in there already. So apart from this immediate immediate kind of win for uh, Corora shareholders, you're not looking to kind of fund that but you may lend some what advisory component to uh, Graham if he needs it. Yeah, he's right? obviously Graham's extremely capable, and the district knows everybody. But look, I mean, there's they're they're going to be operating on on Higginsville property, right? I mean, we're going to be uh, there's there's ways of sharing services. I mean, something that is getting a little bit more granular now as well. But you know, in Western Australia, in order to maintain your tenements, so that's your exploration property, you have to do a minimum amount of work on that property in order to keep it. Now, uh, we are going to be splitting tenement fees 
with Cali on the areas that they're they're operating. So there's actually even a, an annual cash saving for Corora uh, to do this. So there are there are a lot of synergies left, right, and center. But management won't be dedicating explicit time. And what I'm trying, what I'm trying to work out is how how do I view this as a as a Carora shareholder? How do I view this? Because you know Kalamazoo Resources, not a particularly big big company. They want to focus on gold, great. And you guys chucking, and you obviously big big gold producers, you know, chucking your kind of non-core assets in, into a vehicle to see how it does is good news. So I benefit from being able to get in early on a. I don't know how you're valuing the company. Um, and, and, and you know, t- what you think that potential potential leverage could be if things go well with the ten to twelve thousand, uh, tw- ten to twelve million bucks they're going to spend on expiration. So, h- how should I look at this? How, how do you expect people to look at this? Yeah. So on on valuation, it's, a, it's an obvious question to ask uh, for sure. Um, you know, keep in mind Cali Metals will be going through an IPO roadshow with a targeted valuation range, so we can't talk about valuation right now. We don't want to scoop that roadshow, so they'll. When they head out uh, this summer, uh, they'll, they'll have that targeted range. Of course, you know, with the lithium market, things can be different uh, three weeks from now than they were two weeks ago in terms of where valuation ranges are. So stay tuned for that that valuation range and, and where the IPO investors basically settle on that IPO valuation. And then in terms of as a core shareholder, um, you know, what's the benefit to a core shareholder? So when something gets injected into the public markets like this, you can immediately crystallize a real public value for it, right? So if this company you know, becomes a $100 million company, a $200 million company, we'll have our pro forma ownership of that, which flows back into the core equity. And you you know, effect, you know basically expect uh, efficient markets to, to pass that through. So um, that's the way that core shareholders work, will participate in it. Um, you'll have that, you know, that mark to market in the public markets for that asset. Right. But you're, you're, okay, because of your kind of cash balance and your and cash generative as well, you're not going to be sort of a, a massive overhang on month four on the, the, the on, on this company. You, you have, oh, sorry, let me just put it another way. How are the conditions precedent in terms of the, how you show, uh, you, you, treat your shares and when you dispose of your shares i mean so we're gonna we're there to be supportive shareholders uh you know this isn't this isn't a quick flip and we're look we're extremely excited about uh you know both properties right and what can be actually what can be crystallized there um if we were not that excited about our property and we didn't think there was much prospectivity we would have just divested it to a, to a company and chucked it out crystallized some cash and injected that into drilling at beta hunt uh and you know away we would have gone we do not think that whatsoever. We think our, both properties are have tremendous value, are in absolutely the right jurisdictions, surrounded by lithium giants. Uh, so let's get that into a public vehicle and let it have its own pure play valuation. Inside Corora, irrespective of management time, energy, and capital, it's hard to bifurcate you know, a gold valuation versus a nickel valuation versus a lithium valuation. So this is a much faster and more efficient way for core shareholders uh, to participate in that upside value. And we are long shareholders, core is holding on to the stock and, uh, you know, and we're excited about it. You're not a lithium company, you're a gold company. Um, okay, well, look, appreciate the update, uh, Oliver. Um, great to kind of hear about some of the things that you've got going on. And I think more excitingly for me is the ramp up positioning you for you know what 2024 brings uh, in terms of that ability to kind of maybe that see that step change in uh, certainly certainly production um and even margin so we appreciate your time today great thanks a lot